Hey homeschoolers, I'm Melissa Webb, former full-time classroom teacher and homeschool mom turned full-time business CEO and encourager to homeschool families everywhere. I am determined and dedicated to helping you in this journey that you're on. Yes, I wanna give you sound, educational, practical tips and advice, at the same time making sure that you're enjoying the family journey that you are on. So if you are looking for a place to be encouraged and inspired, you have found the perfect podcast. Homeschooling is a work of heart, is truly the perfect place to start. So welcome. Let's jump in. Hello, my friends. I wanted to talk with you in this episode about one of my favorite forms of poetry. It's called ekphrastic poetry, and it is not a type of poetry that is super common. I did not learn about it until later, like past my college years. I had done a big poetry unit and had studied all kinds of different types of poetry. And the most common ones, haiku, limericks, even Shakespearean sonnets, are pretty well known, but ekphrastic was new to me, and it may be new to you. And isn't that awesome? I love learning new things. I hope you do as well. So ekphrastic poetry is poetry that describes visual art. So that could be a painting. It could be a sculpture. Photography is great as well. The goal is as a poet, you want to bring that visual art to life through your words. So we use vivid, we pull in the emotion that the artwork speaks to us, any kind of imaginative interpretation. All of that is part of ekphrastic poetry. Now students, all of the students that I've worked with, and I've had over I don't know, 100, 200 students do ekphrastic poetry through the years. Every single time, it is such a win. For one, students who are reluctant to even write a poem because they think, I don't know what to write about, get your inspiration from someone else's visual artwork. All of a sudden, the words flood in and you know exactly what you want to talk about. It's also a great form of poetry in that it doesn't have to rhyme although I like to use it with a rhyming unit, we usually do, but you don't have to. It's really more about that visual artwork, as I mentioned. Now, in the the lesson that I teach, I also teach during this time, I introduce what a prodigy is, a, a child who has a skill far beyond their years of age. And so we look at some art prodigies who at the age of four, five, six years old were producing these amazing pieces of artwork. Like that right there is a whole day's lesson because kids get so engaged. They love that. They're like, what? That's amazing. Like she painted that or he drew that at such a young age. Again, there are so many things you can tie into this unit. How I would teach this though, and what I want to give you today is a quick little lesson in just four steps. If you're like, I'm doing this, this sounds amazing. We actually just did a unit on Van Gogh. We could totally pull this in. You could, you absolutely could. So step one is to 
introduce a piece of art. And it could be a famous painting, of course. And again, you could go study prodigies. I actually have um, this course available, by the way, in two forms. There's a mini course version over in Teachers Pay Teachers, which I think now is just referred to as TPT. I will link to that. I also, over in my Teachable, space. I have the whole course, which you could spend a good three weeks on. I have it for sale over there. I think it's like $37. And you get all the video instruction, all the handouts, all the all the everything. So you might like to check that out. But otherwise, here are your four steps. Step one, yes, find some awesome piece of visual art. You want to just observe the artwork with your child. Just Pay attention, look at the details, look at the colors, the shapes, look if there are characters, people, animals, can you see any emotion in them? And just have this conversation. Do you feel like there's a story that could be within this artwork that the author, or not the author, the artist was wanting to convey? That's step one. Step two is have this open-ended conversation where you may need to ask some questions. So sometimes students are really good at just pulling things out when they take a look at something, but I think this second step where you offer some guidance can be really helpful when they move into the third step of writing the poetry. So ask some open-ended questions to stimulate their thoughts. Things like, do you think? Could it be possible? Why do you, right? Just good questions that would get them to start thinking and feeling their thoughts and feelings around this piece of art. That really will help them form a connection. And that's important before we translate that into our own words. And that takes us to step number three, where after you've observed the artwork, after you've guided the conversation a little bit, and you've encouraged the children to have some thoughts about it, you're now going to write the poem that describes or responds to that artwork. So this is also a great time to talk about what is descriptive language. When we describe things, we engage all of our senses, our five senses. And when we do that, things we see, things we may hear, even though that piece of art doesn't produce sound, with our words we can describe what it might sound, which is perfect. This is also a great time to introduce figurative language, things like similes and metaphors and personification and alliterations and all the fun figurative language pieces and tie in those emotions as well. It's also a great time to talk to students about how poetry is different than academic writing. In academic writing, we have what is referred to as paragraph structure. And in poetry, we don't call clusters of sentences paragraphs. If there's just two lines, it's referred to as a couplet. And if it's four lines or five or six, it's usually referred to as a stanza. Getting some of that poetry jargon and vocabulary practice, this is another perfect time to do that. And so depending on your child, I would recommend either writing two or three couplets or maybe writing one or two stanzas. As well, as I mentioned, I like to introduce 
rhyming and meter during this part in this third step. But you can go as deep as you like or keep things as light and simple. As I mentioned, kids are sometimes surprised that not all poems have to rhyme. Some can just be expressive. But if they are going to rhyme, rhyming can be done in patterns. You can have A, A, B types of rhymes where the last words of the first two rhyme together, A and A, and the rhymes from the second two lines also rhyme with each other, B and B. Once they understand the patterning, and we always use letters with rhyming, then they can be creative. They could do an A, B, A, B kind of rhyme. Again, I have a whole course on this and a mini lesson. If you really wanna go deeper into this, that is 100% available for you. Go check all of that stuff out. But have fun with the writing of the poetry. And do not hold back on writing your own. You definitely want to engage in this activity with your children. It shows them that you too can be expressive. Poetry is one of those things, we may introduce it when children are young, but it can stay with us throughout our whole lifetime, just like good writing will always have a place in our lives. The fourth and final most important step is to share what you wrote. So often students write these things and then boom, it's just pushed into some type of a binder or a folder, but we don't wanna do that. We want to share what we wrote on a bigger scale. And so that could be maybe at the dinner table, or if you do a co-op, you could have a poetry slam, which would be a really fun activity where all students could come and practice public speaking. They're speaking out loud, even if the group only has two or three other children. This is just a good practice in a very safe and supportive environment. That's the important thing, is that students do feel safe and supportive. It's great then for somebody who's listening to ask some questions, maybe share their perspective, have that piece of artwork available either at the top of their poem or on a separate slide. Maybe you use this, show it on a computer. Call grandma and grandpa on Zoom and share it that way. It's a fun thing to share and reflect on what it is that our children create. And if you're not even um, doing poetry right now, I want to encourage you to do it. Poetry, for some reason, seems to rarely make it into the curriculum cycle anymore. And I don't know why that is necessarily, but I hear so many people say, oh, we just don't have time for poetry. Oh, it's not part of our curriculum. Oh, I didn't see it in the standards. And yet poetry is really important. Poetry is the most emotional type of writing there is. It's an emotional outlet. It's a place and a space where people, writers, can actually express their thoughts, their feelings, and their experiences. Poetry can be all of the emotions, funny, sad, deep, complex, and it's a great way to practice articulating the emotions that children have. As well, poetry is great for creativity and imagination like no other writing is. I'd say the next closest is probably narrative, but 
that's just different. It needs a different scaffolding and structure than poems do. And poems can be so short, written in a day, written in one sitting, something that can really be fun and engaging and really great during those busy times of the school year. I always think like right before winter break, we always do poetry before winter break. Sometimes we do it when we come back because we're not really ready to dike take a deep dive into, oh, let's just start school again as the second semester begins. Why not start with something a little lighter? This would be a great opportunity to throw in a poetry unit and just let their creativity and imagination go in a way that feels very fun and uniquely their own. I also encourage you read poetry because when you do read poetry, whether it's funny things like Shel Silverstein, he was a great poet, especially for children, but even some of the more uh, mature forms of poetry can really give a perspective and a sense of empathy when you talk and discuss why do you think somebody wrote that particular piece. Let me know if you need any help finding things like that. As well, there is language development that happens with poetry because as I mentioned earlier in the writing process, it is a great time to introduce other literary devices like rhythm and rhyme and and meter and syllable counts. That enhances vocabulary. That helps with fluency. It's making this beautiful understanding of the nuances that language provides us. It's pretty awesome. If you want to foster some fun creativity and imagination, I really hope you consider doing an ekphrastic poetry unit. If you do, be sure to share what your child writes. I would love to read it and I would post it as well on any social media along with the ones that my students create because it really is an awesome form of writing and should not be forgotten. Right on. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and listening this week. Hey, if this was something that you found valuable, don't forget you want to subscribe or follow so that every time a new episode is dropped, you'll be the first to know. And hey, before you go, if you are looking to get some of this academic writing under your belt and outsourced so that it's one less thing freeing you up to enjoy more time with your family, hey, you're going to want to head over to Write on Web. to see what kinds of resources and materials I have available for you. I will look forward to seeing you there and I will look forward to seeing you here in our next episode. Right on.